and good morning. Uh, great to be uh, in worship with you today. You know, I, 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 I would imagine you would agree that um, deep down inside, um, you want to follow Jesus and you want to follow Jesus well. Um, we all, I think, for the most part, we have a desire to follow him, to make him our priority, and to become faithful stewards and managers over all that he's blessed us with. This month has, all, has been about stewardship. How do we manage uh, our Garden of Eden well, our own garden, just like God gave Adam and Eve a garden? He's given us gardens as well over which we are to keep it and be responsible for it. And so I think deep down inside, we all have a desire to follow Jesus and follow him well, make him our priority and be good stewards over what he's given us. But along the way, we will always encounter every one of us every single day. We will encounter everyday concerns that try to deter us and distract us from following Jesus. Every single day. No one is different. You have different distractions than I do. I have different distractions than you do. But every day, there will be an everyday concern that tries to distract us. And one of those everyday concerns is material possessions. Uh, material possessions. Every single day, whether uh, at uh, uh, an intensity level may differ, differ, but every single day, something is grabbing at our attention, grabbing at our allegiance. Will we be devoted to Jesus or will we be devoted to something else? And every day, this is one of those things that show up. And Jesus actually addresses it. He's like, like the question that I asked, the question that you asked, how can we follow Jesus and follow him well without getting sidetracked about a uh, sidetrack with material possessions. Now, the thing is, we all need stuff. We need stuff. We need to survive. We need to live. So what does Jesus have to say about that so that we can be good stewards, so that we can make Jesus a priority in our lives? Now, again, what Jesus is going to tell us is going to be uh, a, a hard teaching. It's going to be a disruptive teaching. It is going to interrupt our worldly sensibilities, if you will, because uh, Jesus is after something deeper than just, hey, don't spend your money here, don't spend your money there. That's not what he's after. He's after something, something bigger. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 24. I'm going to read verses 19 through 24. We're going to focus on 19, 20, and 21. So um, something that we, uh, uh, if you're looking on the, the Bible to church provides, is page 811. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. So if some of you have been here a while, I used to do this just as a to remind us of the centrality of God's word. And uh, so if you have your Bible with you, if you can, uh, your Bible, your tablet, your phone, if you don't mind, just hold it up, just hold it up, hold it up if you don't mind. If you don't mind, just hold it up and repeat after me. This is my Bible, God's word. If I read it and respond to it, it will change my life. Do you believe that? All right, all right. So, so Jesus 
In this context, let me give you the context of this passage that we're going to look at today. This is the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most popular teachings that Jesus did when he was on earth. Sermon on the Mount is, uh, covers Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And the sermon is all about how to make God king in your life. What does it look like when God is large and in charge of your life? How does it look when God is, in lar- God is large and in charge of your life when you need to forgive someone? What does it look like when, you, um, when you're angry with someone? How, how do you handle it when you are, um, you, you're, you're praying or giving and you want your motives to be pure? So Jesus covers all of that in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. What does it look like to, to actually live as kingdom citizens in a world that is, um, that's pretty dark? And so the entire message is about how to handle life when life is pretty dark, how to handle life as God's children. Now, I tell you, this is a very challenging message. The reason why it's challenging is because what, what we're about to talk about and what Jesus tells us is countercultural to our sensibilities, it's countercultural to the way we're taught. It's countercultural to the culture in which we live. It is so antithetical to how we live today that it is disruptive and it's disturbing, and you're going to want to cover your ears. You're going to want to think about something else different. You're going to want to think about something differently because we are brought face to face with our stuff. And so what Jesus does in these, these few verses, he, he actually goes after his competitors. Because Jesus says, hey, listen, God is king. He wants to sit on the throne of your heart. But there are other competitors vying for your attention and my attention that takes us away from God being king and him being the priority in our lives. And so... Everything there, he says, there are things that are competing for your attention, and I want to bring your attention back to me. So Jesus says, living for, for possessions and accumulating possessions is actually foolish, and there are several reasons why. But let, let, let's, let's look at the verse again, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus actually starts with a negative. He says, I want you to stop doing something that you're presently doing. So the people that he's talking to, religious leaders, as well as the, um, the everyday Joe, the everyday Mary, who's listening to Jesus teach, they, um, they were laying up, they were accumulating, they were doing something that Jesus is saying right now, hey, stop that. Because accumulating your resource, accumulating money and uh, stuff is, is illogical. And he's going to tell us why it's illogical and it's irrational and it, it's foolish. It makes no sense. But let me tell you what Jesus is not saying first before we get kind of all in our head about material possessions. And oh, Marvin is, you know, he's telling us we can't have. So that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that you can't have nice things. That's not what he's saying. 
It's not saying that at all. The Bible actually doesn't say that. So why would Jesus say something that the rest of Scripture doesn't say? So he's not prohibiting and banning possessions in and of themselves. He's not banning nice things. Secondly, he is not saying that, that, it's, that he's prohibiting saving for a rainy day or planning for the future. All you got to do is go to Proverbs chapter 6 and you see that the ant plans uh, its, uh, its winter by gathering food in the summer. So Jesus is not saying, uh, don't save for a rainy day, don't do financial planning, don't have a 401k or a 403b. He is not saying that at all. Jesus is not saying that you and I cannot enjoy the possessions that he's allowed us to have. He's not saying that at all. No, please enjoy the car that you have. Please enjoy the house that you have. Please enjoy the television that you have. So Jesus is not saying you can't enjoy the nice things. He is not saying that you cannot run your business for it to be profitable. If you are an entrepreneur, if you are a business owner, he wants your business to be profitable. You are a steward of that. He wants you to be a good, good employer and employee. He wants you to do that. In fact, he wants you to make tons of money so that he can get a hold of your heart and so you can give the money to advance the kingdom of God. So, so he is not saying don't run your business profitably. And he is not saying that somehow wealthy people have bowed their knee to the God of money. He's not saying that at all. So what does Jesus have in mind when he says, don't lay up treasures for yourselves here on earth? Well, what he, uh, point, point blank, very, very um, uh, easily, he's just simply saying, don't make acquiring and accumulating possessions your main obsession, your main devotion, your main contra- uh, your concentration, your main addiction. Don't make it your main thing. Don't make it out to be your philosophy of life. That I have one thing, I want another, and then I want another, and I want another. I want to fill my shopping cart with stuff, and more stuff, and more stuff, at the expense of God himself and other people. So this is what God is is saying. What Jesus is saying in this this passage is, listen, it's okay to have nice things. But the moment it becomes an addiction, the moment it becomes an obsession, the moment you have one and then two and then five and then 10 and then 20, you're now, your mind is on that as opposed to God is my treasure and the people that he made in his image are my treasure, uh, is, is the treasure that I serve and that I help and, and love So don't gain your entire satisfaction, what Jesus is saying, from things, stuff, accumulating it. Well, what are these treasures? Now, these treasures that Jesus is talking about, it can be literally, yes, it can be money, but it can be literally anything. It could be family. It could be our children. It could be our house. It could be our car. It could be our education. It could be prestige and popularity. It could be our wine collection. It could be our coin collection. It could be our stamp collection. It could be our video games. It could be literally our clothes. It could literally be anything. Anything besides God that becomes your everything is an earthly treasure. 
Anything that becomes your everything, anything that becomes my everything becomes an earthly treasure. I remember, I remember when I was doing martial arts and I was fairly good. I was pretty good at martial arts. I was very good at martial arts. Okay. Like, like I, I, I would, I trained and I trained and I trained. I would train during the, the, the time when we were at the dojo and then I would train on my off days and I would train when I didn't have anything else to do and I got really, really good. That was one of the reasons Jack does martial arts too. That's one of the reasons that, that we hired him. I hired him because he, he did martial arts and that was, that was part of the reason that we had that to share in common. And so... Um, I, not only did I become good, I would go to tournaments and I would walk in, show you how arrogant I was. I would walk in and say, okay, who's getting second place today? (laughs) Because I considered I was going to get first place. And many times I did with Kata and with forms. Um, I walked away with tons and tons of trophies with fighting. I walked away with tons and tons of trophies. I got to the place where I was trying to figure out how I could, um, how, how I could maneuver my Sundays to go to tournaments on Sundays. That's how obsessed I was. So I had a basement full of trophies. First place, second place, ribbons and medals and all of those things. And I went to a, I went to a retreat and the uh, and, and we were talking about um, how Abraham, that's in the Old Testament, Abraham, God told Abraham to take his son up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice his son to him. And, and Abraham took Isaac up and, um, and just at the last minute, God says, hey, hey, I see that you won't even keep your son from me. So the Spirit of God began asking me the question, Marvin, what is your Isaac that you won't Give up. And he says, I bet it's those trophies, aren't they? Isn't it? It, it, was, it was like a loud voice, and I tried to drown it out. No, God, you can't take my trophies. I've worked hard for these trophies. And it felt like the, the, the closer I got home, the louder the voice of the Spirit of God became. And I went down to the basement and Spirit of God was like screaming now, you need to get rid of those. And so that day, I packed up all of my martial martial arts trophies, put them in a box, put them in plastic bags, and put them in a Kirby outside. And it was as if a weight was lifted. So, so I became obsessed with winning and trophies and showing people how good I am. So this is exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, anything that becomes your everything is an earthly treasure. And those trophies had become my everything. And so Jesus gives a reason why, a sobering reason why we should not make anything or everything apart from him or accept him. And he says, hey, listen, in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So he says, moths eat up clothing. 
So in, in the first century, people loved their clothing, and it was a sign of status. And Jesus is saying, you know this. You all have experienced this. You've got really nice clothes, the larvae uh, and a full-grown moth, like literally have eaten through your clothes and you can't use them anymore. The moth, the larvae has destroyed your clothes. What Jesus is saying is like, like it will all be destroyed. It's, it's temporary. He said, well, if, moth don't, if the moth don't eat your clothes, then rust will destroy your precious metals. And so you have uh, rust destroying your precious metals. And not only that, uh, rust here means anything um, can include crops. So if individuals had crops as their everything, vermin would get in the crops and literally ruin the grain. So Jesus is talking about not only precious metals, but he's talking about anything that's valuable that can be destroyed. And then he says, the third, if the moths don't get it, if the rust doesn't get it, uh, then thieves will break in and steal the valuables inside your home. So you're going to see a um, you're going to see a picture of um, of of coins, or this is a this is an excavation of a first century home. Uh, if you can put that up there, the uh, the coins, you're going to see um, a picture of this first century. So these, this was actually found underneath a home. They called this the kind of a hoard. It was under the home. And in the first century, thieves would dig through. This is what Jesus is talking about. Thieves would dig through a mud, the mud, uh, mud home or mud home, and they would uh, they would scratch and claw and, and, and create a hole and then they would get inside to try to get all the valuables that were inside. This is what was found under a home. They didn't have banks then, so they dug holes all around the home and they put their valuables there and the thieves knew that and they would break in and they would go through the house and they would try to find the treasures. So Jesus says it makes no sense because it literally is all going to go away. So our treasures, our treasures here, whatever it might be, they're insecure here on earth. Whatever, whatever it is, they're insecure. So it's Ill, illogical and irrational for us to spend all of our time and our energy accumulating, investing, 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 accumulating, accumulating, when ultimately it will go away. Now, again, this is not saying you, we cannot have nice things, but when we make it our obsession to make the next one and the next one, then that's when it becomes really problematic, Jesus says. So if we know it's illogical, why do we do it? If we know it's illogical and irrational, why do we continue to do it? Well, here are several reasons why. The first one is security. Man, we, we want to know that our future is taken care of. We want to know that our kids' futures are taken care of. We want to know that our grandchildren's future is taken care of. And so we accumulate and accumulate. We hoard and get and get because ultimately we want to be secure. And somehow money and possessions help us to feel secure. But then there's another is personal value and worth. There's something we convince ourselves that we feel better when we have stuff. That somehow we feel better when our, when our fits are tight. 
That is, our clothing is good. Our not clothing is nice. We, we feel better when our whips are nice. That is, our cars. All right, I'm giving you an urban dictionary lesson, all right? We, we feel, somehow we feel better when we can buy the most expensive food and fi- fly first class or business class. There's something about we get our worth from our possessions. I think there's a third reason is power. Material possessions give us a certain sense of power over our own lives, but also over the lives of other people. I've seen this more times than I care to remember. A mother or father want um, a, a wedding to be a certain way, and they will tell their daughter, their son, or whoever, I will pay for this wedding if you do this. So, whoa, wait a minute, this is, mom, this is my wedding, this is our wedding. Well, if you want my money, then you need to do it this way. That is a form of power and control. So money, money, it, we do it we, because we like the power that it gives us. Independence is another reason. It's like, man, I want my own money. I want my own, um, I, I want to be my own person and my own God. So money and material possessions help me to do that. And then finally, there's pleasure. We, we want pleasure. We want to know that we can afford every fantasy that we have. We want to know that we can afford the, the best vacations. We want to know that we can afford. There's nothing wrong with all of that, but, but, but there's, this sim, there's this sense where people live for pleasure. And I work to get the money so that I can have the pleasure. And so... Many people will say, I don't, Marvin, I don't love money. And say, well, you don't love money, right? Okay, well, you date it, you fantasize about it, you romance it, you lose sleep over it. I don't know what you think about that. That sounds like love to me, though, if you do all of those things to money. So, so there's this sense where, where Jesus says it's temporary. Listen to Psalm. It's not going to be on the screen. Psalm 49 Uh, Verses 16 through 20, this is what it says. Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lives, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper. He will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches, you can put anything in there, money or whatever it is, a man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. So Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures because it's illogical, it's irrational, it's temporary. Then he goes to the positive. He says, hey, verse uh, verse 20 He says in uh, verse 20, he says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So what does it mean to lay up treasures for um, in heaven? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that you and I can buy our way. We can do enough good deeds to get to heaven doesn't mean that you and I can, um, if we spend enough, if we give enough, then somehow God will look and he will see that, oh, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, and so I'll 
let you into heaven. It doesn't mean that at all. Because Jesus, Jesus paid for our salvation. The finished work of Jesus on the cross is what gives us entrance into heaven. When you and I say yes to Jesus, that is what God sees. Now, out of that relationship with Jesus, out of that relationship with God, now we do for others what God desires us to do. So the first century, laying up treasures in heaven was actually doing good deeds out of your relationship with God, that is, helping those who were poor, helping those who did not have, out of that relationship, you would serve other people. You would serve the poor. You would bless those who did not have. You would make sure that the God that you're serving, that you wanted to help other people to know that God as well. The fact that you surrendered your life to God You wanted others to surrender their lives to God. That's laying up treasure as you shared the good news with other people, as you helped other people to grow, as you use your gifts and abilities that God has placed inside of you, that was laying up treasure in heaven. As you shared the good news, lived your life in such a way where people were attracted to God because of your life, that was laying up treasure in heaven. So that when you got to heaven, people would say, because you gave and because you spent time with me, because you shared the good news with me, because you were at Crosswalk and Impact, because you were a part of CR and helped me know God better, I want to thank you. That's laying up treasure in heaven. In fact, turn over very quickly to 1 Timothy Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, This is really an expansion. Paul gives a commentary uh, about what Jesus is saying. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. It will be on the screen as well. As for the rich in this present age, that would include you and me. Anybody who has excess is considered rich. Charge them not to be haughty or prideful, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but set their hopes on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So God has provided us everything to enjoy. And he says, I want you to keep your mind and your heart set on God, not your material possessions. They are to do good. Here it is. They are to do good. That means I need to find a way to bless other people. I need to, we need to be rich, which is the same thing, a commentary on that do good, to be rich in good works. So instead of saying, I'm trying to get my next million and my next million or my thousand or whatever it might be, is like take all of that energy that you're spending and ask yourself the question, am I helping other people come to know Jesus? So be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which may be truly life. So Jesus, Paul actually double clicks on what Jesus is saying. He says, be generous. Enjoy what God has given you, but also be generous. Enjoy what God has given you, but be rich in good works. Enjoy what God has given you, but do good with the resources that I've given you. So during the the first century, the money was spent on material possessions was basically spent on three things. Um, People obviously could enjoy it, but it was basically spent on three things. To take care of your family, 
so that your family would not be a burden after you died. Or so that your family, even while you were living, so your family would not be a burden to others. So to take care of your family was just a responsibility. That's how you used your resources. The second way is to help those who were in need, those who were poor, especially those who are part of the church of Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit about that last week where if there's individuals who are in need, I talked to a woman earlier today and, um, and said that after the first service that, that this church, when her car was totaled, this church blessed her with a new car. Different families all over this church. This is what, it's, this is what Timothy is, this is what Paul is talking about to Timothy. Uh, this is what Jesus is saying. Like, like, no, you're to help one another as need arises. And then the third was to encourage, support, to, to encourage and support the work of the gospel, to advance it both locally and globally. Those are the three reasons. Those are the three reasons why individuals gave yes to enjoy but also to bless others in return. Here's a, and then Jesus kind of capstones this with verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what Jesus is saying here is that the heart is not the organ that pumps blood. The heart is our very being, emotionally, physically, mentally, Literally everything, wherever your treasure is, if your treasure is here, you're going to find yourself over here. If your treasure is over here, you're going to find yourself over here. If your treasure is to see people come to know Jesus, then you will invest in people coming to know Jesus. But if your treasure is getting the next latest thing, then your, um, your heart will be over here. I remember when I, when I first understood a little bit about investing money uh, mutual funds and stock markets and all that kind of stuff. Um, the little money that we had, we invested some, and um, and it was it was not a it was a little bit. It was not a not a lot. But the the crazy part was, I found myself every day checking the ticker. I found myself two and three times a day. Checking to see what happened. You know, the, the fluctuation of the market. If, if it was down, then I was depressed. If it was up, then I was happy. If it was down, I was depressed. If it was up, I was happy. And I found myself like literally every day checking it. Why? Because that's where my quote unquote treasure was. It was just a little bit of treasure, but that's where it was. But I found my heart moving in that direction. And I heard the Spirit of God say, can you, just, can you just stop? I'm the one who is sovereign over all. Would you just please stop? Would you please stop and, and bring your heart back over to me? Possessions change us. They change us. They really do. One day a man called the church, not our church, but called a church, got the secretary and he said, can I speak to the head hog at the trough? And she said, pardon me? Can I speak to the head hog at the trough? And she said, if you mean, can you speak to the pastor, then it would be appropriate for you to say, may I speak to the pastor? The man was a little bit taken back by that and, and said, well, 
I have $25,000 that I wanted to donate to the church, to which the secretary says, I think the big pig just walked in. (laughs) Money changes us, right? Money changes us. Wherever our treasure is, that's where our hearts are. You see how disruptive this teaching is? This, this teaching is disruptive because um, it, it cuts right to the chase. And it's especially disruptive to us in America because we love our stuff. We obsess over our stuff. Remember, going back to this, we're not talking about, Jesus is not saying don't enjoy it. But he is saying don't become obsessed. Become obsessed with God and his kingdom and his kingship over our lives. I'm going to ask you five questions. They're going to be on the screen. And this is how we'll close our time. But I want to pray before I ask these questions. You can take those questions off. I want to ask the questions, but I want to pray before we ask the questions. So let's pray. So God, this teaching is disruptive. This teaching is interrupting even in our own hearts right now. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of the person after the first service just said, I got tons and tons of tools that I don't even use in my garage, and I just go in my garage and I just look at them. So God, you're doing something in our hearts because you want our hearts. And so I pray that as we ponder these questions, I pray that people would not hear my voice, but they would hear your voice and that, um, that they res- would respond to your spirit. So thank you for what you are doing in the room now and what you will do even upon hearing these questions. So let's look at these questions. Here's the first question. What occupies my thoughts when I have nothing else to do? What occupies my daydreams? Because whatever occupies your thoughts, whatever occupies your daydreams, more than likely that's where your treasure is. Here's the second question. What is it that I fret or am anxious about most? What is it that I fret or am anxious about the most? Whatever it is, that just might be your treasure. And wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Third, apart from mother, father, if you, your mother and father are still alive, or husband and wife if you're married, or children, what or whom do I most dread losing? 
Besides mother, father, um, sister, brother, you can fill in the blank, children, what is it that you and I most dread losing? Dread is the key. If I dread losing it, more than likely, that might be where my treasure is. Here's the fourth question. What are the things that I measure others by? What are the things that I measure others by? Because we have a tendency to measure other people by certain things, education, money, whatever status, whatever it might be, whatever, whatever you and I are measuring people by, more than likely, you may, we may have found our treasure, and wherever our treasure is, that's where our hearts will be as well. Lastly, what is it that I know I cannot be happy without? If they took this away from me, I could not be happy. Whatever that is, that just might be your treasure and mine. I want you to sit with those questions, whether it's now or at home or this week, because that's more than likely where our treasures are, which where our hearts will be. And Jesus is after that. He is after our hearts. He's after us placing our treasures in heaven and not on earth. So at the, at the end of your bulletin, you have current way, new way. Current way, and this is what I want you to do. You can, just one thing. One thing, based on what you heard Jesus say in this teaching, what is the current way you are thinking about material possessions that may be out of alignment with where what Jesus is saying? So what's the current way? What the current way you're thinking about it, the current way you spend your money, the current way you spend your time, the current way you steward God's resources? What is the current way? And I want you to be honest with yourself. Let the Spirit of God help you to be honest. Here are the receipts. All you have to do is look at your time, my time. All you have to do is look at what you and I spend money on. We can automatically understand what the current way is. Whatever I spend the most money on, wherever I spend the most time, that's more than likely the current way. And then begin asking questions. Is this current way out of alignment with what Jesus is saying? And if it is, then ask God to say, help me with the new way. The new way of thinking, the new habits I need to form, the new way of, of, of looking at my resources, the, my time, all of those, the gifts and abilities that I have. Here's the current way, God. I'm repenting of the current way if it's out of alignment. And now I'm asking you to help me with the new way. That is repentance. That is turning away and then turning to God. Jesus says, don't lay up treasures on earth. It's illogical. It's irrational. They go away. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The way you do that is by serving others, blessing others, being a conduit, not a container. Rusts, 
rust and moths and thieves cannot take, cannot take your salvation, cannot take the, um, the salvation of others that you are responsible for them hearing the message, cannot take the word of God, which is the treasure out of your heart. Jesus says, lay up, don't lay up, and then lay up treasures in heaven. And when we do that, I think God will be honored and people will be blessed as a result. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this teaching. I tell you, God, this is disruptive. It's uh, challenging. Uh, it's, for some, it's upsetting. It's like, man, I, I don't want to hear that. And yet, you're after our hearts. And you want so many people to experience the kingdom and you desire us to use our gifts and abilities. You desire us to use our resources. You desire us to use our influence with our voices, uh, with other people, so that others might come to know Jesus and know him well. Thank you for this church. Thank you for how you have provided for us and how you continue to do so. And we, again, ask that you would help us to be conduits and not containers. We bless you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Uh, two things before we take off. The elders and elders and prayer team members and deacons will be down front. If you want someone to pray with you, pray over you, they will be down front to do that. Uh, and then secondly, um, the, the serving expo, the tables are outside. Go check it out and see what God might be saying, how you might serve the people of God here at Trinity and beyond. God bless you and have a great week. Talk to you later.